Hey everyone, just a quick little message or two. Uh, first one before the episode, uh, I want to apologize in advance. We did run into some issues on the recording, so you are going to notice some issues. Uh, I'll just leave it at that, and I do apologize. Uh, I'll just leave it at that for now. Uh, enjoy the episode. to another episode of Question Possible Answer. Uh, sorry, we've been gone for a while. Had some technical difficulties on our end for the last few episodes. But I am here. Uh, as always, I'm Peanut. Uh, Tog cannot be with us at this moment in time. Uh, if a previous episode had worked properly, you all would know the story. We'll touch on it in a future episode. Uh, but I am joined with one of our listeners, uh, Alexa. Who, who graciously agreed to come on board, and we're going to talk some Harry Potter tonight. Uh, we're going to try to keep it attached to the first book slash movie, um, but things might go a little bit, you know, it's Harry Potter, so yeah, you, you never know what you'd end up talking about there. Um, so getting into it, I guess, uh, what was your introduction to Harry Potter as a whole? My introduction to Harry Potter was around first or second grade because the first book came out around 1997 and one of my teachers would read us a chapter, um, and it was really interesting and of course I convinced 
finished that book and I knew it was Quirrell, I walked into the class and I was like, it's Quirrell. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, but like, introduction to Harry Potter for me was, I think I was in fifth grade whenever I started reading the books. They had three of them out at the time. Or was it two of them? I, I, I think it was three, because I know whenever Gobble of Fire came out, that's whenever, at least in my knowledge, is whenever it kind of became the phenomenon that it was becoming. That was whenever it kind of grabbed traction, and you started to see the news stories of the book signing... Yeah, it, it took it some time, and uh, I, I remember uh, basically sending my mom to the bookstore for some midnight releases of the series. Um, I remember, I want to say it was uh, Deathly Hollows. Definitely not sticking to the first book for this one. <laughs> but uh, she went to the midnight release for that one, and she came back with two books, a copy for me and a copy for her, so she could read it at her own pace. And I was in high school at this point. And uh, I walked into her room. I mean, she got home at like 1230. It was a school night. And she's like, yeah, sure. You can stay up to read Harry Potter. I ended up walking in. Yeah, I walked in her room. It was probably 330 in the morning at this point, And I was halfway through the book. I was just speed reading. I, was, I don't remember how much of the story I remembered at that point. But I was picking up on the key details. And I was like, okay, I know the story. This is awesome. I walk into her room and she's on like chapter three, just slow reading. I was like, "How can I?" <laughs> it's like I, th th there's so much in these books, um, but yeah. So I, I guess that's yeah. So that's my introduction. I was fifth grade and just immediately hooked on them. Ended up reading them out of order too. I think my first time reading, I read them one, three, two. Really? How how confusing is that? Um. So there were definitely moments like at first I was like I like I was like I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay to the series because at first you know it's like I didn't know the story so I wasn't just picking apart and like so trying to grab on it's like there are moments where they reference small events from the chamber or something you know from that book and I was like I have no idea what they're talking about but then whenever I finally started reading Chamber, I was like, how come they're not mentioning anything to do with Sirius? I was, I was like, well, what's going on here? Because it, it takes a while to realize, oh, this hasn't happened yet. And it just kind of makes me wonder how different the story would be if these events were chosen to happen in a different time frame, you know? like Right. I <laughs> I want to say the events of Sirius confronting Peter happened within, I, I don't remember the exact date, I want to say it's touched on at least once somewhere in the series, but in my mind it's always placed somewhere within the two weeks after 
the parents' death. It just felt right to me for it to be. It, it, it just seems natural, I guess, for I guess for Sirius to start going mad about the situation because he knows it wasn't him and people are starting to ask questions and then he... And, and now he's enraged. He sees Peter and events transpire as they do. Even though Peter was one step ahead, technically... Well, I guess he... That was more than one step ahead because I want to know how long he was in the sewers before he was like, you know what, I, I'm going to go with this wizarding family. Like, how long did it, how long did it take for the Weasleys to be like? Here's, here's the I'm just imagining Weasley's Mister and Mrs. just like walking down the street and being like, "Oh, perfect! Bill's about to go off to Hogwarts and he and he needs a new pet. This will be great." And just pick him up off the sidewalk. <clears throat> But, uh, so I guess, uh, comparatively, uh, book in the movie, which one do you prefer? I prefer the book, and I'll touch on a couple reasons why, um, through the course of this recording. The obvious answer is, it has more detail, and then a secondary answer is a couple questions that I had while watching the movie book. Yeah, it definitely does seem like uh, it's one of those we're going to add some small detail to the movie, but we don't realize how big of a detail it is because it's not touched on as much as it is in the book. Yes, so I think one of the biggest things for me is in the movie when they go to the Leaky Cauldron and they come across in the movie, he does not touch Harry at all. Right. And that lines up really nicely at the end of the movie when it's discovered that if you touch him, your face is going to melt off, your hands are going to melt off, or crumble, or however you like to put it. Now, in the book, they do shake him, raises a lot of questions. So end of the book, it's explained Voldemort says, I'm mere shadow and vapor and I only have form if I can possess a host, if you will so I think the reason why Quirrell could initially shake his hand at the beginning of the Leaky Cauldron is because he and Voldemort were not one yet I think that Voldemort kind of whispered to him and gave him instructions, but they weren't sharing the body, and that is my best guess as to why he didn't initially have any kind of pain or reaction when they shook hands the first time. Oh, I'm going to have to go back and reread that sequence, because I, I guess it's just been a while, because I remember it differently, but I haven't read it in years. Yeah, I haven't, uh, prior to knowing we were going to talk about this, I hadn't read it Long, so that's why it struck me so much was they explained it in the movie by just saying, okay, well they're just not going to touch, they're not going to shake hands or anything and that's how we'll explain that away but in the book, that's kind of a huge detail and a huge red flag especially since you know, you might have seen the movie first It also 
makes me want to start to guess, you know, when did this possession actually take place? Because we know it takes place in Albania. I, I believe it's Albania where he goes on vacation for the summer or something. Right, that's definitely where they Throughout the course of the series, or at least throughout the course of the first book, there's discussion of he's been a teacher at that school at that school before, and we know later in the series that the curse that Voldemort places on that job is a real curse. So you can't hold. So he was a different teacher before, and then he came back and was affected by Voldy. And when did he choose to take the defense job? Because at least from the movie's point of view, it seems like in the first one they were trying to combine defense against the dark arts and care of magical creatures. Yeah. But in the lore of the series, Quirrell is never mentioned as a care cre uh, teacher. They have someone already that they discussed in book five or book four, briefly. Uh, Gribbly Hook, I believe. And uh, but so it's like it's. What was his role before this trip, and how long did it take before he started to become that wacko teacher that the Weasley twins would always tell uh, Harry about? Because he must have been wacko during their first year for them to talk about him in such a manner. And that was before... Well, I guess we don't know if that's before his possession, so... Yeah, I wonder if it was not initially tried to get past the dog and was headed off by Snape because there is a point in the book where he said he had to keep a closer eye on me after I failed at that. Mm. It isn't explicitly stated when the possession happens or if he can kind of come and go as he pleases. It's really not clear. And, and, and based off the movie it definitely doesn't look like he can come and, come and go as he pleases. Uh, it's he's definitely like a full figured head there at the end, and that that was. I, I don't remember. I didn't do any research into who the uh, face actor was for uh, Tom Riddle in this movie because he was such a fine. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't the face we know, uh, but even then. I mean, that also just kind of adds to the theory of when did his face become snake-like, which I've always just kind of believed it wasn't like that until Rebirth in Book 4. Yeah, what that <laughs> I, I, I do like the theory that goes around about each time he performed the Horcrux ceremony and the ritual, he was also getting rid of a split portion of his looks and all everything that goes with it not just a soul but yeah. everything that makes you you you're slowly losing and because oh, yeah. I wonder if he had one of those moments he has one of those moments when he's like shaving in the morning or something and he just looks up and he's like, this isn't my face. Who am I? My hair is falling out and it's just like you slowly see the transformation. It's like, oh, I wish there was an undo button for that one. <laughs> hey, you're not the boss. Our boss has a nose. <laughs> You know, I, 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 
would say, I've actually thought about this one enough to where I remember my thoughts on this, and it's been years since I've thought about it. Um, so, so leading up to the night of October 30th, um, the night of the, of, uh, the, um, the psychic for reading the, that thing, the whole point, the whole, that night, um, leading up to, yes, yes, the, the, the night, the, the, the night of prophecy fulfillment leading up to that he was a shaved man i'm going to guess and that was like you said for the apologies potion to the point where he probably was a full body shaver eyebrows nose trimmer like hair even though if i remember properly the polyjuice can be made by using dna but hair is just the most commonly procured form so they could still acquire his toenails and so i'm just imagining this is a guy that is like Maybe he nubbed off his fingers beyond, you know, right below the nails, so he doesn't have to grow them out or something, which also gets rid of his fingerprints, which could also be, you know, I'm assuming, you know, that's how he was before, and then afterwards, he just hasn't been alive long enough to grow any. <laughs> he, he he just <laughs> yes, which. <laughs> That, 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 that's a series that I kind of want. but Not, not Creepy Baby Voldemort. I, I don't want that at all. But I was just kind of sitting here thinking, I was like, you know, I we do get hints at it with him talking to Slughorn, asking about Horcruxes. But, and... You're looking at, like, a Voldemort freak. Yeah, so, so instead of the Crimes of Grindelwald, where we're getting the follows of Newt, and we're getting traces of bad, just... Show us another seven series Harry Potter, but it's Tom Riddle and, and we slowly see his turn, and we just you know that same effort that they put in the Harry Potter movies, just go you know give us that much detail into Tom Riddle, and like we can graze over small aspects that we get from the books, but give us year one. Here's him being introduced to the Wizarding World and actually meeting other people. Year two, he realizes that he can talk to snakes or something, or realize, you know, could try to make it like as symbolic as possible. So it's like their influence, like have his moment with the hat and being like not Gryffindor, not Gryffindor, Slytherin, <laughs> or all that, and then like we got Riddle, we got Riddle, or something, and just have all, you know, have like the potions master be like a really upbeat Gilderoy type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, because we already know we'll have Dumbledore. We would have a Dumbledore uh, for Transfiguration, right. at least for his year. I think I think that was never his Chamber of Secrets thing was was during his fifth year. So I know at that time, you know, Dumbledore was the Transfiguration. But there, there's just so many. There's so much unknown that I feel like fans would want to know. I feel like that would be a good step. We can step away from Johnny Depp, Amber Heard fiasco, not have to worry about what's going on with there. We can return to the sets that we know and love, even though they blew them up at the end of the series. Um, but take us back somewhere memorable, and we can see another run with the Room of Requirement. We can see more. Uh, maybe the reason why they need a parent signature to go to the village to have hot chocolate, but they don't need a parent signature to... <laughs> we don't need a parent signature to go into the third floor corridor where you're going to meet death. We don't need 
dark forest. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of stuff in there. I mean, the Dursleys wouldn't care, but I think, you know, a normal, a normal parent would be like, maybe just detention. Maybe just like a normal detention. We don't go hunt down what's killing unicorns. Maybe that's a little metal for, you know, an 11 year old. And be like, oh, I, I don't know. We're, we're gonna go. Uh, here's a book reference. We're gonna go polish armor in the trophy room, and pick up on important name drops. Uh, Tom Riddle, uh, Minerva McGonagall, Quidditch. Yeah, like instead of which, I, I thought it was done well in the movie for the time that they had. You know, because the movie does not have as much time as a book. But I feel like the movie did enough in that aspect. But the book still did it better because we had the duel at midnight and that whole interaction. Yes, I had completely forgotten about that until I read about it. Right? Like you watch the movie so many times and you're like, oh, well, at least for me, like there'll be moments where I'm like, oh, no, no, that was just fan theory. And then like I'll reread the book. And I'm like, oh, that was the actual book. Okay, like there are times I forget about Dragon Delivery Night and stuff, and st like watching it, but like watching it earlier this week. I think it was earlier tonight. Actually, I finished it, and they were talking about. Or Rubius mentioned uh, Dumbledore sent him away. I'm like, no, the three kids in front of you had an invisibility cloak and basically a cardboard box and delivered this dragon to the top of the tower. <laughs> <laughs> and they left the cloak, and that's how they got caught. Which I would really like to know, how did you forget? A group of people, no one was like, you know what, maybe we shouldn't be tootling around. <laughs> right. Uh, maybe we can go talk to, maybe Hagrid can go talk to Dumbledore, knowing everything else that they're doing this year, security-wise. I'm sure getting a baby dragon out would have been no problem. Which would make sense for the conversion in the movie. Yeah, a lot goes on in that castle that no one really knows about. And I'm just like, the Muggles have CCTV. You guys don't have something similar to CCTV? Like, how is the magic of four prankster boys the most advanced CCTV thing that we've ever come across? And it's a map with footsteps. And it was made by boys. You have a whole division in the government designed for, you know, population watching to make sure the secret isn't, you know, slit. But then leading back to, you know, that map. Um, no, sorry, not the map, but another Dumbledore item, you know, the uh, cloak. I feel like... Because there's always the argument of Dumbledore knew what he was doing when he said, don't do this or do that. He knew he was prepping Harry in that first moment. And the thing that solidifies it to me is him giving him the cloak, not saying it's from him, just saying, hey, this was your dad's. And then he knows there's hints around the school of your dad snuck out at night and stuff. And so we're going to live up to that and slowly guides him to the mirror of Irised. But, yeah, like, 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 
like he was possibly one of the worst headmasters. Like great wizard, great person, not fit for that position. No, because he they keep talking about him where he breaks all these rules. What about Dumbledore? Right. Uh, it'd be, uh, you know, to Neville, I mean, granted, the points to Neville were amazing, and they were, uh, very well deserved, but it could be, like, to Neville for realizing that being nice to people is good, 10 million points, and it's like, what? <laughs> that's, that, that's not how this works. And then, uh, so, another book-movie comparison, I guess. Uh, if you had to pick a favorite moment in the book that's not in the movie, and then we'll also flip-flop it and do your favorite moment in the movie that's not in the book. Probably the, maybe the Sorting Hat, because they are both in there, but I like in the book... Okay, so my favorite book moment that's not in the movie, um, oh, I had one that was gonna be, like, kinda like yours, where it was there, but it wasn't, but I don't remember what it was, so I'm gonna go with the obvious faint answer and just say every Peeves moment. Yes, cause he wasn't in there at all. Right, like, I, I wanna say, there is a draft of the movie out there where Peeves exist, but financially they just couldn't do it for the series, I, I think. But that was also before everything had fully taken off also, I think, or right around the time. So they, they didn't have all the money. Maybe the Peeves moment where he catches them uh, the night they go to fight Voldemort. And Harry is utterly invisible and pretends to be the Bloody Baron to get him to go away. Oh, yes. I, I liked that. Yeah. Um, and then I guess a uh, movie moment that's not in the book. Um... That's kind of hard, because there's so many moments that I feel like were put in just because they were, just because they were nods to the book, you know, like, how many are there? 36, counted them myself, 36, but bloody last, you know, that whole, it was great, but there's other stuff that happens before he goes, no, I remember my book moment that wasn't in the movies now because we were talking about this, um, whenever... You know, we have, you're a wizard, Harry. And he's like, I'm a what? And he's like, don't you remember doing anything? But, you know, and in the book, we get these descriptive moments of jump, trying to jump behind trash cans at school and ending up on the roof. Uh, getting a nasty haircut and immediately growing back out. Uh, this sweater that shrunk because he didn't like it. Just those small... I, I would have liked to have seen a montage somewhere in the before school days that just kind of captured these moments that led up to You're a Wizard. Just... Yeah, okay. 
that, that's a good one. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, the massive character change uh, in the forest whenever they sent the wrong group of students to detention. I, I like looking back on it. It's it's so hard to remember the events in the book that caused. Uh, I want to say Ron didn't go to detention in the forest. He was somewhere else, I believe, and Neville took his place in the books. Yeah, there were quite a few more in the books. It was quite possibly it was it may have been Harry, Ron, Hermione, Neville, and Malfoy. Just a lot of. Well, because I want to say whenever, because whenever they go to the uh, forest uh, and Chamber of Secrets, uh, in the books, there's a moment where Harry's like, oh yeah, I forgot, you weren't with us last year whenever we came here. And then, uh, or was that in, I'm I'm having set, I'm having, yeah, I I want to say, he, that might have been, no, because he had already done his uh, polishing of the trophies at that point. Because that was, oh, what was that punishment for? I don't remember. Man, take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> they just galloped around, there's no curfew. Right. Because for the, for the dragon incident, get, getting caught out of bed is what... That's right, Ron was cleaning the trophies the night that they went and discovered the dragon, or the night that Malfoy was peeking through the window and caught them with the dragon. I want to say Neville was out of bed to warn them because he he warned them about something. Malfoy was out of bed to catch them. Ron was at detention. Harry and Hermione were at Hagrid's rightfully getting detention. Yeah, I, I, I think he was cleaning the trophies, and that was the night that he got Tom Riddle's information. Yeah. But I feel like that happened way earlier in the book, so I might be wrong about where he was. There was a lot of detention the first time around. There was, and I just think we're laughing in the It also makes me wonder because how much story information do we get because they're in detention all the time? Is is Dumbledore just sitting there watching? Does he have his own Dumbledore's map that highlights where the protagonist of the story are at all times and where all the antagonists are? Right? And it's like... Right? It's like he's got to be up there watching his map and being like, okay, Quirrell... You said you're going to kill a unicorn when? Alright, yeah. I'll send Harry for detention on that day. But just remember, he will never know about this conversation. Alright, obliviate me. <laughs> just because, I, I mean, just for that night alone with the unicorn, I feel like that was such on a whim chance that he would have been there that night feeding whenever they were just... Even then, he's 11 years old, and you're going to send him to go find a mythical creature that's near death in a death forest because he was... Yeah. 
that you're gonna do and, and it's like for, for what he, he was out of bed you you have no proof that there was a dragon what proof it, it's gone there is no proof That, and I, I honestly feel like, like as much as Dumbledore would be sitting back and watching this, he, he's more or less setting it up, and it's McGonagall and Flitwick just watching and having a good old time. I, I, I just feel like they're the best of friends. Like, like, like she's snappy and snide and strict, but she's also fun at the same time. She does her job and she relaxes. Yes, I, I I wish we would have gotten more. <laughs> right, she, you know you know she's looking over at a uh, Snape and just be like you you see that he likes me more. <laughs> this reminds me of uh, jumping forward to uh, the dreaded year of she who shall not be named. Um. So there's a wonderful theory that I ran across sometime last week that McGonagall used her transfiguration, her animagus status, to get insider information and keep tabs just because she liked cats so much. You know, because th there's the pink and the cats everywhere. You know McGonagall is just like sitting there taking scratches and listening to her bitch about the other teachers and students she doesn't like. So, so in that moment, whenever Harry comes up and it's like, what happened this time, Potter? She already knows what happened. She was there. <laughs> but yeah, she was definitely a, a better fit for headmistress, headmistress than Dumbledore ever was. For headmaster. And here's another fun question. Uh, all these people in this school, you know, we have some that are muggle-born that attend public school or private school before they get their letter. In the wizarding world, we never see any sort of daycare, kindergarten through fifth grade, because Hogwarts, to me, always appealed as like a middle school seventh grade on you know that age bracket so for me that's a good six years of school that are unaccounted for where you learn critical information where, where, where do these wizards learn this But it, but it's like I don't even I'm not even talking about you know like them going to learn magic stuff at all like have it be complete like hey sorry you're integrated with Muggles until this age and at that time frame if you know just ha have it be like everyone else you just happen to know about magic right now 
But you don't know you're going to Hogwarts until you get your letter. Just because you know, just because you're a Weasley, doesn't mean you're going to Hogwarts and you're going to be a Gryffindor. You could be a Squib or something. So I, I feel like they should have like a forced integration for that, because be a really good idea. Because you, you can't be showing up day one Hogwarts and there's a kid outside you know, Accio this, uh, Defenda, you know, just popping off spells left, you know, you know, doing the Malfoy talk and walk, except actually living up to it, unlike Malfoy, who apparently does not know how to properly handle a broomstick. And also, in that teaching moment, I love how everyone's mad at Neville, for doing exactly what the teacher said. Like, in book and in movie, exactly like she says. You know, I'm gonna count down, I'm gonna whistle. Uh, at that time frame, lift up. He's the, she whistles, and then he goes. At, and then everyone's like, Neville, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm doing what she said, guys. Like, come on, figure it out. <laughs> Neville's the only one at school who knows what he's doing. I mean, if he would have broken that wand sooner, he would have been a better wizard a lot sooner. Yeah, he, he absolutely would have. But, you know, the wizarding world came through for him because, you know, he had a hell of a glow up. Yes, he did. Which I, I want to say that also happened in the books, so great casting choice. Because it, I mean, most of the cast, it seemed like, grew up proportionately accurate to their characters a few differences like the weasley twins are supposed to be shorter and stockier ron's supposed to be taller but for the most part they matched their physical appearance for the most part the biggest glaring difference at least in the first book is i read that aunt petunia is actually supposed to be blonde and so is dudley yep and and uh, there was something else. I think, I think, uh, uh, I just forgot his, Vernon. Uh, I want to say he's supposed to have a beard, I think. I might be mistaken. I want to say they mentioned facial hair on him at some point more than. They mentioned the mustache. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure about the beard. I, I might, I might. There, there's a chance I'm completely wrong on that also. I feel like all men love and want beards. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's just easier to let it grow and stay there than make it leave all the time. I don't know. My my brother growing up, he had like three hairs, and he's like, oh, but I'm growing it out. Growing it out. I had a friend who, I mean, he, very rarely would he even get the stubble, and like he was just like, yeah, it's never going to happen. And I saw him a few weeks ago, and he had the most I'd ever seen him with. He had like 13 hairs on his face. And I was like, wow, you're really growing it out, aren't you? He's like, that's a really good one there, buddy. Yeah, I went to school with someone who could grow a full-on beard in like a week. Well, let's pick it up with the actual battle going through the tests. Because some of the tests, I feel like, in one in particular, suited a different teacher than it was kind of described to. So... 
are you is this specific to the book version of the test or the movie ones? Because the only real difference is. Uh, okay, okay. So in the book, there are more tests than in the movie. So in the book, there's Fluffy, which is from Hagrid, and then you have the Devil's Snare from Professor Sprout, which makes total sense. Mm-hmm. seems like something that McGonagall would plan, but because of the respect of the profession, she would go to Flitwick to have it created. She's more than capable of doing it herself, right. but that is based off their role within the school. That is Flitwick's area of expertise, but it does, like, like, it makes a lot of sense for it to be her that comes up with that. Yeah, because in the book they say that it's her that's responsible for the chess set because figures them to make them come alive. I don't think I ever saw her doing anything with chess, though. No, the the closest you have to that is... It, that seems more of a charm, really, by making it come alive instead of transfiguring it into something else. And... Uh, I'm just surprised that those moments weren't in the movies themselves, like them saying, oh, this was McGonagall's and this was Flitwick's. It's just, I guess I've read it that one time. I mean, I've read it multiple times, but it's just stuck with me where that plays in the back of my head at some point in each scene where I'm like, Flitwick's, McGonagall's, how come we don't see Snape's? Snape's test, which is a, a logic test. It gives you a bunch of bottles of like wine and poison and spells that'll get you kind of from one room to the next, and you have to figure out which is which with the riddle. Which, knowing what we know now about him being the Half Blood Prince, and also having the founded just stuff a Bezor down their throat, I, I guess the giveaway, if it had been Snape in the end, would have been just, you know, instead we see, I want to say she finally comes to the conclusion that this is the right one because it's missing the most liquid. Like, like she figures out the puzzle herself also, but then she's like, oh, the one that's right is also the one with the least amount. It makes sense. But if it, if it was Snape who was actually our big bad instead of Quirrell, I feel like that puzzle would have been even harder because she would have come to that conclusion and the potions would have been completely untouched. Granted, he seems like someone who would keep the answer in his pocket anyways and have a sip of it, but knowing what he know, he probably also has a bezoar in his pocket. And he could just go by and take a sip of one or something that, and take the bezoar and be like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just going through. Yeah, just wine, wine, oh crap, poison. Let me swallow this real quick. Let's try again. Uh, so after Snape, we have Quirrells, which I'm not sad that they left out because all it was was a troll that he conked on the head. Right, it was supposed to be... Like that ass a lot. Right, it was just supposed to be sleeping in the corner, but it was distinguishably bigger and smellier. 
But that was it. That's what you need down below the school where there's not a lot of air ventilation. Let's find the nastiest, smelliest thing we can. Right. And also, where does he keep finding these trolls? This is the second one to get on school property. And like Ron says, which it might be someone else in the book, but in the movie, it's Ron that states, you know, they're supposed to be really stupid. There's no, you know, there's no idea how could one get in. If there's, I mean, so how is he able to go out and find two of them? Oh, I, I, I'm sure at some point in the future, whenever Hermione is Minister of Magic, and Spew has gotten completely off the ground and has all the funding it needs, I'm sure there is something about the ethical treatment of trolls. Well, I, I think it's listed in Spew. They're a sub, yeah, they're a sub of Spew. Spew is the magical PETA. Because I, I don't, I, is that in, I think that's Goblet of Fire when Spew starts, the first time. Or it might even be earlier, I don't remember. I think you're right. <clears throat> I think it's after Dobby gets kind of free that she starts looking into things, and then it, it kind of really picks up. It picks up again in the books whenever Creature starts coming around. Because Creature makes an appearance before Harry inherits everything. And then he did... I, I really wish they had brought more of that into these movies. Because that Dobby creature Harry triangle relationship was so fun in the books. Especially with where it grows and the, especially it fit with the locket. means that even if Nicola, uh, Nicholas Flamel was to show up and get through all of these uh, trials to get to the end, he himself would not be able to get his own creation out of the device. Yep. Which is just like Dumbledore being like, no, middle fingers, it's mine now. You gave it to me, remember? Right. Possession is nine-tenths of the law, no takesies back. Like, it just... How long do you need to not want it? Because you know there's there's got to be a moment. If, if you're 11 years old, and it's, hey, this can turn anything it touches to gold and can create a magical elixir that will keep you alive. 11 years old, you're going to be like, hell yeah, give it to me, bro. Right. <laughs> that's, that's why we are priming Harry, because he's like, Harry... Everyone Harry likes is dead, so that's all he cares about, so... Oh. Right? That, that's another... Right, like, that, that is another moment I would like to see, have seen in the movies a little bit more, was his time in front of the mirror. 
Because in the books, he's going there every night for a month while they're on winter break. And the experience is getting more vivid each time with the introduction of unknown family members. To the point where he almost, in my, in, in my mental projection whenever I read the book, it was almost a, a where's Waldo of Harry Potter. Because it was his whole family. The book states his mom was there, his dad was there, his uncles. That may have been a cousin that never existed. But it's just like his desire was to have fulfillment because he was so... He felt so singled out from multiple angles. You know, for one, he was singled out because he had no idea what magic was. He was raised in a house that... You couldn't even utter the word magic without getting slammed into a cupboard and left alone for a week. You know, he goes to school and he's like, oh, cool. No one else knows magic either. No, but 90% of them know about it. And they all get the pop culture references that you don't because you don't know magic, you know, Madge. You know, so, so he gets hit from a different angle. And then throughout the, I guess it doesn't really happen much in first year. But then in second year, it hits even harder because people start shunning him left and right. When he just felt he was getting accepted to this world, we're going to try to rip it out from you and kick you away. Which I really feel like was a big point of choosing to do that storyline second. But I, I, I just feel like a lot of people don't think about the uh, pop culture side of it. Like, yeah, you know, no one else knows magic. But we have all these magical pop culture things that Harry and Hermione keep kind of... Like, Hermione gets some of them because as soon as she found out she was a witch, she was smart. She started subscribing to Witch Weekly and all those... Yep, so she has some kind of idea. Right, you know, like, she, I might not understand it, I might not care about it, but you never know when this might help help me. Which proved a point whenever she had Hogwarts of History memorized her first year. Versus Harry, who, again, in his lifestyle, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. I really wish they would have expanded that beginning scene. Because Hagrid was not supposed to take him to King's Cross. He was supposed to be at home with his owl and all these supplies, causing a ruckus for like a month before he goes to school. And then luckily they have to go and get Dudley's tail removed. So they're like, yeah, we'll take you on the same day, and then they just dump him. I would have loved to... I, I think there was a deleted scene for that, but I would have loved to have seen it. Yeah, I had never thought about that. That is so interesting with the, the pop culture references. I wonder how uncomfortable and awkward that is when people are constantly bringing up things that you don't know about, because they sort of touched on Quidditch, but... Right, like, how many phrases do you, I mean, I can't think of any off the top of my head in their community, but you know there's got to be some that are just, they created these terms to quickly reference, you know, oh, we're going to go scorchify this, we're going to go do that, we're going to quit it around, whatever it's going to be. We're going to read, you know, babbity rabbity. Yeah, you know, oh. Yeah, I mean, it took until the seventh book for Ron to be like, oh, you don't know these children tales that I knew. I should have realized this at some point sooner. Yeah. Which is also... Yeah. 
but then like early on, you know, hey, the closest Harry gets to wanting to understand pop culture is Quidditch, which also reinforces the theory that Harry Potter is nothing but a big fat jock. <laughs> he doesn't, you know, he, he pulls these little pranks here and there. He's a, he, he, he's a sports guy. He only cares about the athletic stuff. He doesn't care about the knowledge. He's that kid. He just wants to dance. Which is something I find funny, you know, because he's basic, you know, he, he's a muggle-born, and I know if I was to go to be chosen to go to this school at, at any age and be like all right but there's a catch you're gonna have to read about the history of magic and be like so what's the catch you know th- if it's all real events like i would be interested in that you know for the magical understanding like i get not all the stories will feel magical but I feel like if, you know, I don't feel like my first year, I don't think there's ever going to be a moment where I felt drowsy or, well, I mean, I would feel drowsy, but I would never feel mad that I had to learn magic my first year. I don't know. I've gone to college this year, and I can, <laughs> I can tell you that um, there are certain things that I learned. Before, for me personally, if I was to go to that school, I, I would love Quidditch, but I don't think I would try to play. I don't have, like, I, I, I do some fun hand-eye coordination stuff enough at work, but nothing to the level of riding a broomstick around and not falling off. I don't feel comfortable trying to do that, let alone being one of the guys that has to have a baseball bat. Don't worry, we'll make sure your glasses don't fall off, they say before a hectic match in the rain. Yes. And then, six months later, he's still never taken his glasses off because the spell won't undo and they lost the paperwork. Yes. They, 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 <laughs> they rushed development and now they can't figure it out. And now, you know, Madame Pomfrey is mad salty and trying to figure out a way to pry these glasses off. Oh, and, and, and Harry's ears are turning purple for some reason that they can't figure out. It's just a side effect. I feel, uh, I, I don't know. I, I thought McGonagall would see that and just laugh and chuckle. Private, but I think in public she just frowned. Oh, yeah. I mean, but I feel like she would have fun with it by scolding Harry for no reason because she knows that he had no idea what was going on. Like, she knows the situation. She's a part of the Quidditch team. She cares. So she knows exactly what happened. That's why she would find it so funny. 
But then she would just be like, mm, no, I'm not going to get onto the Weasleys because that was a good one. Right, she's like, did you not see the way that I talked to Severus this morning? You really think I'm going to get onto you for that? Which, this is making me wonder, you know, how much were they, the Ministry of Magic, how involved were they with Harry's first year? Because you know that's got to be breaking some type of headlines that would have been in the Daily Prophet, you know, the boy who lived returns to Hogwarts or, you know, it gets accepted and he's not available for questioning, written by Rita Skeeter or something, but, you know, because... Does the boy who lived, does he really deserve, you know, yeah, sure, he can be on the Quidditch team, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but the rules clearly state you cannot own and possess your own uh, broomstick. Can McGonagall's level of pettiness really drag so low that she's willing to purchase him a fire, uh, sorry, a Nimbus 2000? I'm, I, I'm sure they were like, hey, Haggard, we have a task for you. We need you to go pick this up. <laughs> this is going to be so funny. Just remember to just look nonchalant. But then, just imagine the pettiness and retaliation. It was, oh, you got him a Nimbus 2000. All right, well, I'm going to get this kid on my team next year and watch what he does. Everyone gets Nimbus 2001s. Right? I'm kind of like... Alright, which, given his resilience with the firebolt, I don't know how he did it. Because in the books, you know, he mentions that whenever he first sees the firebolt, he was like, oh, I had the money, I could have gone to the bank and gotten it. Sure, I would have had a substantially smaller pile, but I wanted, it sounded like he actually, like, understood finances and accounting somehow because it seemed like he was like if i take that much money out for this i won't be able to afford this for the rest of the year like yeah i'll still have the money but it eats into my savings basically yeah and then your you know ex-con uncle godfather who just broke out of prison somehow gets you one we don't ask questions we just know that uh he has one right and i mean Sure, why not? Let's argue Veritaserum at this point. I don't know how it's pronounced, but I feel like I feel like that should. I mean, it, it is one of the biggest arguments that I hear, at least, is why didn't they give Sirius the potion to figure out? You know, did you do this? Did you do that? And I have my own thought for why they didn't, but I want to know what you think. So I think it's just a situation of where they're so sure 
that they're right, that there is no need for a truth potion in their eyes. It doesn't matter, you know, what the other person thinks, because they're just, you know, they've already made up their mind. Okay. that That's an interesting take on it. I, I like that one. Uh, I would always kind of heard that it doesn't make you tell the truth, but it makes you tell what you what you perceive to be the truth. So let's you know let's say before rebirth in book four, if you believed that he had returned and you were given the potion, you would claim that he had returned because because you believed it. So it's kind of like a lie detector test in that, you know, if you believe you're telling the truth, then it's just going to show up as 100% honest type of thing. Right. So so even in the moment that, you know, he he, he didn't kill hit, uh, Peter, but, you know, if he if he believed he had, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, there's all these other stories where, you know, we can't make you do something if you don't believe it or if you don't know it. You know, we, we can't transmit thoughts into your head. We can't plant the you know so if you believe it you're gonna get away with it type thing yeah so i believe that that was always kind of taken a part of it and i be i i believe somewhere in the books they state that the mind can only handle so much or it starts to withstand it at a certain point so there is no true way to tell if it's working or not, because you don't know if the person is resistant at this point. That just makes me think of the, like, I will attempt to penetrate your mind. <laughs> right? It's, it's like, you don't know if I've done this before or not. <laughs> like, this is a teenager. We're not gonna comment on the fact that Severus Snape just said the word penetrate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like uh, I, I, I'm gonna need an HR rep present at all times, please. Like, like. And also, why do they make it sound like it's such a secret thing? Like, I get it; only the order knows about it. But half of our known faculty is in the order, so. <laughs> Yeah, so could they really not be like, hey, Potter, we need to talk to you about your grades this semester because we've all decided you need extra tutoring in all of our classes because honestly, dude, you suck. Like, that's what they did for Snape's one little oculumency lesson, but for everything else, because with how much they bend the rules for this kid, yet they don't tell him anything with what's going on. You know, but at the same time, Dumbledore's expecting him to be involved in all of it. Yeah. Like, why not just be like, mm, no, we're going to change Potter's schedule this year. He gets a time turner. You know, every night, give us two hours, meet here at this time. We'll know it's you. Yeah, like, like he's like, I we've been... I tried this with him for six months. You guys don't remember this because I came back here to tell you it didn't work. I took his time turner. <laughs> Bring back Lily, please. I'm tired of this. <laughs> Which begs another question. You know, there's... I, I, I personally don't accept The Cursed Child as proper story. I, I didn't agree with any of it. It debated itself. 
in certain parts. But but it does bring up something that I want to touch on lightly, and it involves the time turner. And so, for those that aren't familiar, during the cursed child, Harry's son becomes best friend with Malfoy's son, uh, Scorpius Malfoy. And is this Albus Potter? And that's the main in this one, I believe. Okay, yeah. So, Albus Severus and Scorpius are best friends. Possibly more. It's never fulfilled in the books, but it's hinted at, and fans have shipped it, so so be it. But there's a moment where they take the golden time-turner. It might just be a regular time-turner. But it's the last one in existence at this point, because they've already messed up and broken all the other ones, I think. Or no... They're all already broken, so this shouldn't exist. That's that's what my biggest issue with it is. But they take this time turner and they travel all the way back. Not to you know, at this point they've already traveled back to the Triwizard Tournament, which would take forever to spin, by the way, and imagine miscounting or something and winding up in the wrong era. Slipping and being like, I literally have no idea when we are, where we are. I don't know how to apparate. I can't call my mom because she's not alive yet. You know, I spun, I spun too much. But they go back so far to where they are on that fateful night, the night of prophecy fulfillment. And I don't remember exactly what happens, but... It makes me wonder why they never did this to begin with. Why did the ministry not be like, wait, Tom was here? At the Potter's house? What time? Okay. Uh... Oh, but even still, you know, Voldemort was here, the darkest, you know, he was here at the Potter's, what time? You know, either it could still be argued that Six o'clock. Okay, go back three turns. That simple. You know, because they never state that, and Cursed Child debunks, because initially I would always argue that, you know, maybe they didn't know that Voldemort did it. It could have been a follower, but they could have used a time turner to figure that out, an investigation. Maybe there's such a thing as what Marvel has chosen to call the sacred timeline. So they... You know, there's always that little bit of do not interfere, but they could have gone back to study. They could have done this. They could have done that. I just picture a nosy neighbor. Like, this house got blown to hell. We got dead people. Where's this baby and this girl? So, Petunia. But, like, yeah, I feel like they never gave, because up until Cursed Child, my argument for the Time Turner was simply, you can't go back that far. You know, maybe it didn't exist yet. Maybe that, maybe that magical creation did not exist, and that could have been the reason for it. But I don't remember. I'm sure there's something to contradict me there. Mm-hmm. Because if you're seen, then you know you might go insane. Although I feel like if I saw myself, I'd be like, 
so I'm one of those people that whenever I was around the age of 18 or so, I have a moment where I clearly remember sitting down and thinking of a phrase and being like, if I ever time travel, I'm not allowed to go back farther than this point in time because I did not know this phrase at this point in time and I have to prove to myself that it's time travel. It's like, I know the chances of that are billions. Yeah, yeah, you know, billions to one chance of that ever happening type thing. But just in case, I had... Yeah, I, I have my moment. I have my moment where I'm allowed to go. No farther. I really want to save any time travel discussion for a different... Because I, I could go off the deep end on that one for a while. We started to do that on Back to the Future, and we had to hold our tongues a lot. Because, yeah, because I, I would definitely, uh, no, I'm, I'm back there. I'm changing stuff. There's a reason I'm here. But something that also kind of catches me off guard, because they don't touch on it in the book, or in the movies. There is a deleted scene. I I want to say it was the end of or the beginning of Deathly Hollows. It might have been a different book, but basically it summed up with the line I didn't just your you didn't just lose a mother that night. I lost a sister. I do think that that's a deleted scene. Yeah. yeah. But the whole everything related to that arc from the I I feel like they left too much out, and that's probably why it ultimately ended up on the cutting room floor at the end. But I really feel like that would have been such a great conversation between those two to actually have on screen. But I also feel like no matter how much hatred you have for this child, I feel like the moment that that letter showed up, I feel like it, at worst case scenario in Dumbledore's mind... The moment that Harry's letter showed up, that was whenever Petunia was going to sit down and be like, Harry, we need to have a talk. But that talk never came, not until Harry was like, hey guys, we need to have a talk. And then Petunia was like, you're, you know what, you're right, we do, I've got some stuff to get off my chest. And he's like, sit down, shut up, my turn. <laughs> And we know it's end of October. Yeah, it's I mean it's Halloween night, and you don't need a vodka cadaver. You're gonna kill him with frostbite. Right. I I mean I don't know what the temperatures like around this time of year. Uh, you know, over in the UK, but I'm gonna assume it's not much different than what we have right now. You know, kind of chilly. Good. No, but but apparently he cared for his sister greatly. Even though it doesn't look like he knows how to take care of a child at all. No, it's like he should, he needs to read a book. He should have been like, what to expect when you're <laughs> in the 
Uh, the problem with apparition, no study time. You can't you can't get stuck in traffic. You know, McGonagall is over here. She's been watching the people all day. She's trying. But, uh... Another set of scenes that I wish would have been in the movie. Yeah, I turned off all the lights, but somehow the lights are still on. Right? Or, I mean, yeah, we know he's respectful, but at the same time, not really, because he kind of gives Harry a middle finger from day one. But, why not just apparate right in? Wake him up. We've been watching you. We're wizards. She knows what's going on. He doesn't. Magical law enforcement at no point ever attempted to communicate and make this exchange. Right. I, they, yeah. right they, they don't have any type of social services division or something. Like, what do they do in moment? I, I guess they just ship them off to Hogwarts or something. Yeah, they're like, good luck going to Hogsmeade. Yeah. Yeah, because as we know, um, I'm sorry, but since you are not my responsibility or you are not my offspring, I cannot sign the slip. But don't worry, in a couple of years, you can put your name in a cup to to fight for the death. What? Parents' permission? Nah, you're good. We talked about it. Should we tell people's parents about this? Nah, not yet. Let's wait till there's something bad to actually tell them. Which is a great example for what's wrong with government. Because <laughs> it's very, very similar to everything, it seems like. It's like the car companies, when they do the recalls, they're like, it's cheaper to just settle the lawsuits than change the part. They're like, hey... <laughs> have you ever sorted yourself? Have you ever been officially sorted? Yes. Yes, I have. I am a Ravenclaw. Okay. Have you completed the... Do you have your wand? I, I'm not expecting you to remember all that stuff, but... I've got all the stuff. Do you remember your Patronus? Uh, yeah, I took it... It's a night jar, which is a bird. Okay. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, it's a nocturnal bird. I'm going to... got uh the first time i did it which i have to go back and redo it because i know they've 
had a big update since then. Like they've revamped a lot of things, so I feel like it's time to redo it. Because the first time I unfortunately got thrown in Gryffindor, which does it doesn't feel right to me. Like sure that it's a great house, but it doesn't feel right. I guess it doesn't feel like it's natural and proper. Yeah, I feel I feel like it may have accidentally been forced with the way that you choose questions and answers and. Yeah, and it depends on what quiz you take because some of them are like, "What do you want to do with your life? Like world domination? I want to eat in the kitchen." Right. It, it's like okay, so basically, world domination is Slytherin. Eat in the kitchen. That's Hufflepuff. Uh, I want to go to the library. That's going to be Ravenclaw and save the world Gryffindor or something and it's like no like I think Pottermore does it pretty well um so I think that's gonna be just about everything that we have um so check us out listeners if you haven't already um find us at anchor.fm slash question possible answer that will be our main source. You can go there to find it, all of our releasing platforms. Um, find us on Facebook, Instagram, send us messages. Uh, yeah, that's going to be about it. So until next time, I'm Peanut. And for the last time joining me for this episode, sorry, uh, is Alexa. And that will be it. Have a good night. Hey everyone, Peanut again. A little post-episode message for you. Uh, It may seem like the episode cut off kind of short. There is a reason for that. We did continue, and we did my sorting of the houses, my wand, and all of that stuff. Um, I have the information. I'm just going to save it for... We're either going to redo that segment in the future... Uh, so we can get better audio capture or I'm going to touch up the audio that I do have and I will release it as a bonus episode in the future Um, again sorry for the sound quality issues it was something I did not catch on until it was too late and I really wanted to get this episode out so you get to see this podcast not always performing at its best and for that I thank you. Uh, This will be the last full episode of Question Possible Answer for the year. Uh, There will be one more bonus episode released here in the next couple of days for your pleasure, where I am joined by a good friend of the podcast, Mr. Joel Davis, as we just go through and talk Star Wars uh, with with our hot takes. Uh, Yeah. So if you're easily triggered by viewpoints that you don't agree with when it comes to media that is meant for everyone to interpret as they see, that episode might not be for you. But that one was real fun to record, and like I said, stay tuned and look for that one here in the next couple of days.